as we imagine ourselves standing there with the people watching John the Baptist baptize our Lord Jesus. We see an amazing sight of God as man, representing man in their sin. And then coming into the water and out of the water, your voice thunders. And you tell us what you think of your son and of who he is, that you love him and that he is your son and that you are well pleased with him. Father, we pray that today, as we identify with Jesus, so we would know this same love, this same acceptance, we pray that this day we would hear your voice to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. My prayer for each of us today is that we would hear God's voice. That as we come into the sanctuary and worship God, that the voice of God literally would speak. That something would happen here today, that you're not just hearing the voice of a human being, but you are hearing the voice of God. Can you imagine what it'd be like to come into this place and hear the voice of God? Many, many years ago, when I was beginning in ministry, um, I was serving with Pastor Whalen, and we were serving at a school. The church met at a school. The auditorium was very much like this. And so every Sunday, we would have to come, and we would have to set up. We'd have to set up the sound, and we'd have to set up the children's stuff, and all the parents would come and bring their kids and help set up. And then we would go off to Sunday school. Well, I was in the auditorium, and I was um, the last one there finishing setting up. And when I turned around, I saw that there was still a little boy in the, um, in the auditorium. And he was about five years old and a very precocious little boy. I knew him. And so I thought I'd do something. And so I, I, he didn't see me, so I bent down and I, I took a mic, okay? And I bent down and I hid and I said, Jeffrey. And the little boy is there in the auditorium. I watched him and he... Jeffrey. What? Jeffrey. He goes, who's that? And I said, Jeffrey, this is God. <laughs> and he looks around, about five years old, and he goes, no. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Uh, those are in my earlier days of ministry. I've since learned better. Um, but I wonder, if God were to speak to you today, if God were to come in here and speak to me today, would I say, no? Would I not recognize the voice of God? Do you think God wants to speak here today? I do. I don't think there's any reason for us to be here today if God doesn't speak. And I wonder if there's much reason for us to be here today either if we're not listening. 
for his voice. There's a psalm, Psalm 29, and we're going to read it together in unison. I'm sorry, we're going to read it responsively. And I want you to pay particular attention to two words. One is Lord, and the other is voice. Because in this psalm, 18 times, Yahweh, Lord, is mentioned. He is the centerpiece of this verse, of these verses, and of God's word here. And voice is mentioned seven times. And just as Fidel was reading to us about the baptism of the Lord, we also see the voice of God there. And so this psalm very much applies to what we're going to learn about in the verses of Mark. But this psalm helps us to attune our ears to the voice of God. And so again, as we read it, I'm going to read the odd number of verses. I ask you to read the even number of verses and pay attention to Lord and pay attention to voice and try to hear what God is saying. I'll begin. Ascribe to the Lord, almighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. And let us also read together verse 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The Lord blesses his people with peace. If we look back at the first verse of this psalm, we see it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The mighty ones are the angels. We are in the season of epiphany, which follows the season of of Advent. Advent was the season led us into Christmas. Christmas, of course, is a celebration of the birth of our Lord. And at the birth of our Lord, the angels came, and before all the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The glory of God shone round about them. And then when they spoke, they said that God would bring his peace. And we see that at the end of this psalm in verse 11 where it says, the Lord blesses his people with peace. Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth to men who have faith in him. God's voice has been speaking throughout creation. From when God said, let there be light, and there was light. To this psalm where we see that God speaks in between the incarnation of Adam and the incarnation of the second Adam, Jesus. That God speaks and he speaks to man as he speaks even unto the angels. And his voice is powerful. 
over all of creation. His voice is strong over waters. His voice is strong over mountains. His voice is strong over the desert. His voice is strong over all that he has made it. The voice of the Lord is strong to you and to me. And so we come to this place of the Lord's baptism. We come to this place where Jesus is now beginning to open up his life to all the people. It's an epiphany to the world of Jesus coming at this time. And it's even an epiphany to John the Baptist as he is about to be the one to help inaugurate Jesus' ministry. And as we look at these verses in Mark chapter 1, we see three things about Jesus' character, about who he is. The first one is his divinity. His divinity. And as we look at Jesus, we want to focus our thoughts on him today. Just as when we read um, Psalm, we read 18 times about the Lord. We want to keep our focus on the Lord today. And so if you would look at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, I want to read them again. I want you to help me by paying attention to the Lord and to his voice and to what the Bible says about him here. Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The first thing that we see here is that this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of good news about Jesus the Christ or Jesus the Messiah. Jesus is God. And the Gospel of Mark begins by declarating that Jesus is deity, that he is divine. And this is so important to our faith. To know that God came to us, the Son of God. And he comes to us so that we would be able to know God. And God had sent John the Baptist as a forerunner. It had been proclaimed, it had been prophesied 700 years earlier in the book of Isaiah. And we read that in verse 2, where Isaiah the prophet said, I will send my messenger. And that messenger is John. And John is preparing the way for Jesus to come. John speaks to us too. He prepares the way for us to come to Jesus. And we do it in the same way that John did for the people that came to him. John said that we had to repent. And that in our repentance, there would be forgiveness of sins. John came to teach a message about pe- to people about what they needed to do so that Messiah would be able to ch- enter into their lives and enter into their world. Repentance means a change of mind. A change of mind. And it is a change of mind so that we can go into a new direction of life. And we begin to understand this change when we begin to understand who we really are. And John sort of helps us to see who we are and is is not particularly comfortable, but it's very real. And he helps us to see, and as we see through Jesus, 
that the revealing of these words to us is our own sinfulness. Is our own sinfulness. That Jesus' divinity, that John's message tells us that we need to repent because we are sinful. And repentance was to be shown through baptism. And baptism was a way of revealing a symbol that I wanted my heart, I wanted my life cleansed. And that I was committing myself to following after God. That I was committing myself to following after God's law. That my mind now would be focused on what God wants in it. That God is teaching me and that I am learning and that I'm turning away from an old life or I'm turning away from a certain path and I'm turning towards God to do what is right. I'm committing myself to following after God. And John says the result of repentance in verse 4 is the forgiveness of sins. And so we have sort of bad news and then good news. And that is the gospel. Is that there is sinfulness in all of us, but there is forgiveness available to God. And as we think about all that we want in this coming year, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that, that we would want this to be the best year ever in our lives with God. Our best year ever of faith. And for this, we have to face the reality of our own weaknesses, of our own sins, so that we can come to God and come to God through Jesus. Even Jesus preached a message of repentance. Look down a few verses in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. And if you have your Bibles open, would you read that with me? Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Let's begin. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come. We sang about that. That you and I, our repentance is to turn away from the kingdom of this world, which won't last, to the kingdom of God, which is eternal. But we do that by repenting and by turning away from those paths that lead us away from God. I don't know what it would be for you, but my guess is that you would know what you need to repent of, what sins you need to confess. And this is something that's just between you and God. I want you to think about that right now. Is there a place in your life? Is there a habit that you're trying to break? Is there a sin that you keep falling into that you want to be forgiven of? That you want to receive from God the ability to say no to? I want you to think about that right now. And I want you to imagine that you, like Jesus, are going into the water of baptism. And that you are going to be brought down into the water and brought back out. And that you want to be cleansed of that sin and not do it anymore. That you want that sin to be something of your past and not something of your present or your future. What is that? Let's just take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this place in the scripture of, of both John and Jesus telling us that the good news 
is that we must repent and believe. That we must repent of our sin and say no to it. Then, Lord, as we think of that sin in our life right now, whatever it may be, Lord, we bring that before you. And we repent of it. We don't want to do it. Help us, Lord, not to do it. Help us to seek after you. Help us to know you forgive us because of Jesus. Help us to walk in a new way with God, with Jesus. Amen. His divinity will always confront us with our humanity. But we can find comfort in that because Jesus also was human. And so the second thing that we learn about the baptism of the Lord and about the character of Jesus is that in his humanity, Jesus reveals the contrast between the baptism that he took and the baptism that he gives. Let me read for you verses 5 through 9, and you can follow along. We'll read again verses 5 through 9 of Mark chapter 1. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus came as a man. And John was there as a forerunner to help the people to know what Jesus was bringing. And the people were excited. People were coming all the way from Jerusalem down to the Jordan River. Jerusalem was about 20 miles away from the Jordan River where John was baptizing. And it's the desert. And Jerusalem sits about 4,000 feet higher than the Jordan Riverbed. And so the people would have to walk 20 miles let me ask you this. Who would you go see? Who would it be worth for you to go and see if you had to walk 20 miles? I mean, would you, would you go and see your parents? 20 miles? I see some heads nodding. Okay. You know, would you go see your, your favorite rock star? No. Your movie star? No. But these people were willing to walk. 20 miles, at least 20 miles through the desert and, and through the mountainsides. And you can sort of see that's the Judean desert. That's what it looks like. That's the road to Jericho from Jerusalem. It's a tough walk. And then you would know oh, you, when you got there, what happens? You know, you don't Uber back, right? You walk back 20 miles uphill. Why would they do that? Why in their humanity would they go and see another human being, John? The Bible tells us it's because of his message. It's because of the message that John was preaching. 
It was the message of the coming Messiah. And these people needed a Messiah. They needed a deliverer. They needed somebody to give them hope, somebody to help them out of all the problems they were facing, out of all the harassment of life, out of all of the power of Rome that was controlling them. They needed a deliverer. And so they went to John because he was preaching about the deliverer. He was preaching about Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And so they go to hear this message. And what does this message say? John says, after me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus walked three times as far as the people walked. Nazareth was 60 miles away from the Jordan where John was baptizing. Jesus, in his humanity, walked 60 miles to be baptized. Jesus, in his humanity, sweat and got tired and thirsty and hungry in his flesh. And then he comes to John to be baptized. And he sees John, and he tells John, it's time for you to baptize me. But John knows this is not right. He knows that Jesus is above him. He knows that Jesus is pure. You don't have to turn there, but in your notes you'll see there's Matthew 3, 14 through 15. I'll just read it for you. Because this is Matthew's take and what he saw from the baptism of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says, But John tried to deter Jesus, saying to him, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. John knew Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Because John's baptism was what? It was a baptism for repentance. It was a baptism that would announce that I need to turn away from my sins. But John said, Jesus, you need to baptize me. I need to turn away from my sins. You have no sins. But Jesus says, no, for righteousness sake, for righteousness sake, John, you must baptize me. I don't know if John understood, but we now understand why. And that is because Jesus is our representative. Jesus is saying, yes, you're right, John, I have no sin. But I am the right one, I am the righteous one. I am the only one who can take away the sins of the people. And so I will represent them. And in my baptism, I will be their representative for their forgiveness. And then later, in all righteousness, Jesus' baptism was the cross. Jesus' baptism was his death on the cross for you and for me. And so John consented, and I don't think John fully understood. But he did it, and he fulfilled all righteousness. And Jesus came up, and Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was touched by the Holy Spirit when he came out of the water. Jesus is God, and yet at the same time, God came to Jesus in the form of a dove 
and of light. We read that in verses 10 through 12, 10 through 11. I'll read it and you can follow along. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice of voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit upon him was a power that you and I can also receive from God. God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son are all present at Jesus' baptism. And God wants you and I to have the same Spirit in our humanity. He wants us to receive this baptism from Jesus that is the Spirit of God. Now, we received it when we became Christians, but we are told that we are to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit from heaven. God the Father sends us the Holy Spirit from heaven. We read that in John chapter 14, verse 26, where it says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. And then in John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus talks again about the Holy Spirit, calling him the Counselor. In John chapter 14, it said, The Father will send the Spirit. In John chapter 15, the Bible says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So both the Father and the Son send the Spirit to us. The Father sent the Spirit to Jesus at his baptism. God wants you and I to be filled with the Spirit within our own humanity. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, you can turn there with me in your Bibles. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third book of the New Testament. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. And this is an important verse for each of us for today, for every day. You can highlight it in your Bible. You can do this every day. Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If God is our heavenly Father, if Jesus is our Lord, then Jesus is telling us that we can ask God to continue to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And the Father will give us this gift. The Father will fill us with his own presence through the Spirit. And Jesus will bring into us his own presence in a way that will be useful for our sanctification, useful for us to become more like him, useful so that we can identify with Jesus more and more. And this is the third point of our message for today is that Jesus' identity of who he is as God's son reveals the delight of God, that God is happy. Again, looking at verse 11, a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is Jesus' identity. He is God's son. He is God's son whom is loved. 
and he is God's son whom God is so delighted in and so well pleased. We like to identify with people. We like to identify with things that we would like to be. It's sort of part of our human nature. I remember as a, a young boy growing up, um, I kind of idolized one of my cousins. His name's Craig, and Craig was about four years older than me. He's my mom's brother's son, and, and we spent a lot of time together. And everything, and I called him Craigie, everything Craigie had, I wanted. Everything Craigie did, I wanted to do. And I remember um, back in the 70s, you know, big poofy shirts were really in. And, and Craig got this beautiful white poofy shirt. And, and I told my mom, I want one like Craigie's. And I remember she took me to the department store and she bought me one. I wanted to be just like him. And, you know, we went to Disneyland a couple of weeks ago, and, and you've been to Disneyland before probably, and you see all these little kids, right? And they're dressed up like their favorite character from Disneyland. They identify with that character. They want to be it in their imagination. So what do they do? They want to do the same thing that I did. They want to put on the clothes of the one they identify. They want to dress and look like the one they most identify with. And this is what God wants for you and for me too. He wants us to put on the clothes of the Lord Jesus. He wants us to put on the clothes of righteousness. If we identify with Jesus, then we will want to look like him. And the more we identify with Jesus, the more we find our true identity. We have no other real identity outside of the one that God gives us. And he originally gave it to us in the Garden of Eden when he made man in his image. That is our identity, to be made in God's image. And in Jesus, we are remade into the image of God. God's spirit was on Jesus. Turn with me in the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. So again, in the middle of the Bible is Psalm, right? The biggest book of the Bible. And four books later is Isaiah, the largest of all the prophetic books. Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. I want to read verse 1. There it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. When Jesus is baptized and the spirit comes upon him, this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah that we just read. But in verses 2 through 4, I want you to see this. And this is from the message version of the Bible. It should be there on the screen. And it says, this Messiah, he won't, he won't call attention to what he does with loud speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. And he won't disregard the small and the insignificant. But he'll steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire out and quit. He won't be stopped until he finishes his work to set things right on earth. We get tired. We get weary. But God never does. God will finish his work in Jesus in this world. He's going to bring all righteousness into this world through Jesus. There is a kingdom coming. 
And the more we identify with Jesus, the more we identify with his kingdom. And in the same way that God delighted in Jesus, the more we know our Lord and the more we walk with him, the more we know God's delight in us as well. In Isaiah chapter 42, going down to verse 8, it says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. 700 years earlier, God announced this. He told them that it was going to happen. And when it did happen, he said that it would be a new thing. And here we are at the cusp of 2017. And God wants us to experience a new thing in our life. He wants us to experience something new that helps us to identify with Jesus more and more. That this year is a year that we can understand better our faith in Jesus, grow closer to God. That we can be with Jesus just as Jesus came to be with us. Now, for all of us, it began when we had faith in Jesus and put our faith in him. And many of us have been baptized, and maybe some of us who are Christians still haven't been baptized yet. But God would want all his children to be baptized. He would want us to be baptized so that we could experience similar things that we see happening when Jesus was baptized. That we would be able to declare our faith in God. That we would be able to say we belong to Jesus. If you look at your outline... And responding to God. You'll see Romans 5, 20 through 6, verse 4. And this is taken from the New Living Translation. But I'd like you to read it with me out loud together. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 through chapter 6, verse 4. Let's begin. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead. So he's right. Now we also may live new lives. Now we also may live new lives. That God would have us to think through our own baptism again. And again, as I said before, maybe some of you haven't been baptized. And we're going to have a baptism class on February the 5th. And if you're interested in that, you can either talk to me or put it on your welcome card. It's a one hour, it's a little under one hour class. It'll be right after service on February the 5th. You don't have to be baptized after going to that, but I hope that you would be. But if you want to know more about the meaning of baptism, then I encourage you to come to that class. But for all of us, I want us to think about what baptism means. It means that we are humble. It means that we acknowledge that we're sinful. It means that we know that we need cleansing. 
But it also means that we don't want to stay dirty anymore. It means that we want to die to sin. And we want to live a new life. And that new life is empowered by us receiving the Holy Spirit. And as we receive the Holy Spirit, we will live a life for God. We will live a life for Jesus. We will live as though we have certainly heard the voice of God speaking to us. There's a prayer at the end, the closing prayer. And for those of us who would hear God's voice, this would be our prayer. Heavenly Father, Abba, Papa, thank you for the assurance of your spirit. Thank you for embracing me as your beloved son or daughter. Thank you for the grace of your approval in Jesus Christ, my baptized Lord. Jesus was baptized so that we could be baptized. Jesus was baptized so that you and I could know the new life of God. God invites us to hear his voice every day. God invites us and calls us into his presence. God invites us to know him through his spirit and to identify with him more and more. Will you do that this year and make that your call? Letting that be the way to improve your faith and to grow in your love and to know the love that he has for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your goodness and for the grace that you give Lord, we know that the power to live a new life is not in us. The power to live a new life is in you. That's why Jesus became a man and was baptized for us because we couldn't do it on our own. Heavenly Father, Abba, thank you for the assurance of your spirit. Thank you for embracing us as your beloved child. Thank you for the grace of your approval in Jesus Christ, our baptized Lord. Amen.